0: Money talks.
1: But so do we.
2: I'm Lauren. I'm Kat.
0: And I'm Daniel. And And we're we're your friends friends with tax tax benefits. benefits.
2: We are here to sound off about write offs,
0: to get wise about wealth building,
2: and take the taboo out of tax talk.
0: We work at TurboTax, so obviously this is what we love to talk about.
2: But we're not here to replace your tax professional. In each episode, we'll share a real talk about money with our personal opinions, advice, and jokes about all things financial. What we won't do is share
1: any opinions on behalf of Intuit, TurboTax, their brands, or employees.
2: Did the lawyers make you say that, Kat? So stop scrolling on Tax Talk. Call your financial professional later because it's time to talk tax, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Friends with Tax Benefits. Hi, Kat. Hi, Daniel.
0: Hey, Lauren. Hey, Kat.
2: Hey, Lauren. Hey, Daniel. The topic of this week is going to be money and parenting or rich auntie lifestyles for those of us who are not currently parenting. And as I was prepping for this week's episode, I went down the rabbit hole of one of my favorite TV shows, Succession. Have you all seen it?
0: Hot dang, I have seen that one.
2: Oh, oh, hey. (laughs) Well, the tables have turned. I have no idea. (laughs) So for Kat and those of y'all who are not watching the show, Succession is a comedy drama about a incredibly wealthy family called the Roy's who own and run a multi-billion dollar media and entertainment conglomerate called Waystar Royco. And the patriarch of the family is getting older and there is a battle between the siblings on who will succeed him as the head of this multi-billion dollar empire. And it's just a fascinating watch. So Daniel, what do you think about Succession?
0: They're the worst people in the world. They're so mean. <laughs> They're just terrible people. <laughs> but you know, it's- Sounds like a great
2: of, show. <laughs> oh, so good. I mean, award winning.
0: It's like a car accident. You can't help but turn your head and watch, even though you know that anybody who is involved in it is suffering and the, the family in succession are miserable. But boy, I can't turn away. So I'm, uh, I'm ready to watch. There's one, one half season left and I can't, I can't wait to watch it.
2: One thing I love about this topic is that we all have such different perspectives on it. Daniel has teenagers, Kat has a toddler and a middle schooler, and I am child-free by choice. And I love to get into how each of us are thinking about kids and money. Daniel, what's been on your mind this week?
0: I'll tell you what's been on my mind this week. Chores, my favorite nerdy topic, budgeting, dependent care, and paying for college. Um, Let's talk about chores for a minute. Should I attach money to my kids' chores? Should I give them allowance for doing chores? Or should I say, you just do your chores because you're part of the family and you get allowance because that helps you understand how to work with money? And I have no idea. I mean, so much about being a parent is I have no clue what to do. And so I read a compelling blog years ago that said, make allowance be separate from chores because if your kids say, I don't care, I don't want any money, then what have you got? Um, so I said, Okay, you're a member of the family, so you need to do chores, and I'll also give you money at the beginning of the month, put it into your bank account. And that's what we've done. And so, you know, I had a huge mess the other day in the kitchen, and I said, Hey, rascal number one, you got the kitchen table, rascal number two, you recycle. And they both just stood up and did it. And I said to my wife, like, What is going on? Like, one ask, holy cow. And so I can only imagine if I had said, Hey, rascal number one, do that. Where's my money? Um, that you know, that just gets not very fun. Um, so that's how we've done it, and they get fifty cents per day times however many years they've been alive every week. So my daughter's fifteen; and she gets seven fifty a week, and my son is thirteen; he's six fifty.
2: I think, on behalf of your children, Daniel, I'm going to advocate for you to account for inflation <laughs> when you're calculating <laughs> their upcoming allowance.
0: If they tune in and hear me saying that I'm saving money with these old school rates, um, they, all they need to do is ask. Um, but all they need to do is listen too.
2: It's about one gallon of gas.
0: <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. Um, so budgeting. So one thing that we've done in in our house is I just give my daughter my phone and I give her the receipt from Trader Joe's and I say, pop it in there. And she'll say, how much beer and wine did you buy? And I said, I don't know, $10. And so she categorizes the, you know, the booze section, and then, you know, the household goods, because we've got toilet paper and tissues. And so she knows how to do that. And and what, what I like about it is she knows that there is not an unlimited amount of money in our various categories. She says, uh-oh, we've got, you know, 60 bucks left for groceries, and it's only the 20th of the month. We just won't eat. And and so it's helpful for her to know that there is a limited supply of, of money, and we have to make choices. And so we can just say, well, we won't go out to eat, we'll move that restaurant money back into groceries so that we can eat for the rest of the month. Dependent care is a really useful one, I think, for people to pay attention to because when you have kids, um, there are some tax advantages um, or tax um, deductions you can take care of when it comes to sending them someplace while you're working. So when my kids were young and they were in daycare, the money that you spend on daycare while you're working is tax deductible um the summers we sent them to various camps and again that's tax deductible and cat you got to check me on this because i'm a i'm a lay person here um but what basically what that means is all of the expenses that you accrue through the year when you're sending your kids to aftercare or daycare or camps in the summer so that you can work all of that is tax deductible, which means that you you what increase your refund if you get a refund or you have a smaller balance due if you owe money. And so that's really helpful. And other companies will say, hey, we can just deduct money from your paycheck, put it into, I think, a flexible spending plan is what it's called, Kat, and you can pay directly from this flexible spending account. So that's one way or just on your tax return. Do I have that right, Kat?
1: Okay. So Daniel, you're almost right. It might not be all of the money that you've spent on Child care costs, but there is a credit called the Child and Dependent Care Credit, which in the past year, so for this tax year, it's really increased. So you used to be able to get up to about $1,000 per child, and now you can get up to about $4,000 for a child under the age of 13. So it really helps you recoup some of the costs that you've spent throughout the year, in child care costs, maybe aftercare or even summer camp, if you were sending your child there so that you could work or look for work.
0: Super helpful. It's money on the table. The last thing that I wanted to touch upon was paying for college. And it's way too big of a topic to, you know, discuss in a couple minutes or in a minute. I want to mention two things. Is one, I just finished a book called The Price You Pay for College by Ron Lieber. I learned so much and the one tidbit I'll tell you today that was so helpful is the idea that the sticker price at at many colleges, private institutions and, and public institutions, is kind of like the, the MSRP for cars. You can just go in and say, that's great. Um, I, I'm not going to pay $55,000 for my student to go here. And then Colleges will offer what's called merit-based aid, and it's often not even based on the student's merit because they just realize that some people will pay that sticker price and many people just won't, and so they'll come down from there. So just know that that is negotiable, and once you get in, then you can start talking to the school about what can you do because that's an astronomical amount of money. So you'll learn a lot more in that book, but I just feel so much more empowered about how to tackle that incredible Um, often six figures um, to send your kid to college. And sometimes it's in the 300,000s if you are paying that sticker price. So I I can't recommend that book enough.
2: Awesome. Now, Kat, you're a little bit newer to the parenting game than our friend Daniel here. So what's been on your mind about parenting and money lately? Yeah.
1: So I definitely have less uh, years of skin in the game as far as uh, parenting is concerned. I know that One thing for me that I wish was talked about more, like I obviously knew childcare was expensive, but how expensive I think didn't really hit me until it was actually my time to put my son in daycare. And in the past few years, I think we can all agree that the daycare or childcare landscape has been a little bit different. So we had to explore other options besides traditional daycare, like having someone come for a few hours to... Help because even working from home, it's almost near impossible sometimes to get anything done if you're wrangling a toddler, anybody that's mobile. So I would say to try to plan for childcare as soon as possible. A lot of daycares, to my surprise, have wait lists even before the child was born. So that was something for me to find out like, wait, there's a wait list and I should have joined months ago. So depending on what city you live in, childcare costs can easily run you the cost of rent or mortgage each month. And typically the younger your child is, the more expensive the childcare can become. And essentially until your kid's of age to attend kindergarten, so about age five, it's likely that you're gonna have to plan for some form of childcare or daycare And then maybe even after they're five, you might need after-school care, right? So I think budgeting for that or making up a plan for what's going to work best for your family is something to really consider with cost, uh, especially in the first couple of years. So Lauren, I would love to hear some rich auntie perspectives of what it's like to be child free by choice in your home
0: oh look at you <laughs> wistfully thinking about being child free in those moments <laughs> i, got, I got a
2: lot of years ahead of me but I can we're dream all envious still. of you <laughs> at
0: times
2: yes yes i love it i love that i can sleep in as long as i want i never have to worry about stepping on anyone's legos i don't need to worry about keeping anyone else fed or well hydrated i shamelessly throw away small pieces of toys often I (laughs) it's a hazard. It's a hazard. Yes, literally. (laughs) I am in a space where I'm definitely child-free by choice, but I do think a lot about my relationships with people and the children in my life especially. And I very much do adopt this rich auntie mentality. And for me, being a rich auntie is by relation or relationship, right? I don't actually have... Any nieces or nephews, but I do have young cousins, I have friends with children who I completely adore, and it's such a state of mind. One thing I've been thinking about a lot in the past year or two is this idea of love languages and how we show love and care for people in my life. And my love language primarily is very much words of affirmation. During the past couple years, I think a lot about I don't have as much face time and ability to share words of affirmation with people I care about. And I've really expanded how I show love to include gift giving. And as part of that, I actually have a budget for gifts. So whether that's gifts for a friend who's having a baby and a baby shower gift, or if I met with my friend's daughter and want to pull out $5 to surprise her with a Popsicle or something, I've got a budget to really facilitate my being able to show care for people and love for them with gift giving for the people in my life, including the children.
1: Big Pops for $5 on the Popsicle. You know, the best, I, I like to give it in singles so that it even feels like more money at that age. Like well,
2: five bills here. It feels like a lot. It's so funny. One of my friend's daughters was gonna do a little lemonade stand and I was chatting with her about, about how to price the lemonade. And I, she was like, I think I'll do 25 cents. And I said, baby girl, I recommend you raise the price. Let's go at least 125 and I'll give you a tip for excellent service. <laughs> so- Inflation costs. We're not at 25 cents anymore. The cost of water and lemonade is way too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I love spending time with the kids in my life. They give me a lot of joy. Now is the time of the episode where we're going to dive into listener questions and A, those cues with our resident tax expert, Kat. All right, let's see what we got this week. Let's get into it. How do I... List my child's UGMA account for taxes. So first,
1: let's get into what a UGMA stands for. It's a Uniform Gifts to Minors Act account. So essentially, it's a type of custodial account. The account allows parents to save money and invest while they maintain full control of the account until the child is an adult. The account belongs to the beneficiary and is considered an irrevocable gift. When the child is no longer a minor, the custodian, most times it's the parent, but you see it a lot too where a grandparent might make an account like this for their grandchild. Um, Once they are no longer a minor, they must transfer control over to the child. At that point, the child can do whatever they want with the money. There's no limit on how much you can put into a UGMA account But as far as your taxes are concerned, this account doesn't really provide any tax benefits while you're putting the money in. But when it has earnings, a portion of those earnings may be tax exempt from federal income taxes. But then any portion over that limit would be subject to federal income tax. On the flip side, something that's good about it is that the tax rate that they would have to pay taxes on over that portion is taxed at the child's tax rate, like the child's tax bracket rather than the parent's or the custodial, maybe grandparent's tax bracket. So it's often a lower tax rate depending on the child's income is typically lower than that of the parent that, or grandparent that's been contributing to it. So there's nothing you have to report per se um, unless it's,
2: you know, gaining some earnings on it. Thanks for breaking that down for us, Kat. Next up, here we go. Should a parent make their kid an authorized user for a credit card or account to help them build credit from the start? Is there any benefit to that? So I think this one's going to be kind of a matter of like preference, right?
1: I think it is a good way that a parent might be able to help their child build their credit because it's going to give them the opportunity to have a longer credit history. Now, if you decide to add them as an authorized user, if you're actually going to give them the card to use is a whole nother question. You might give them the card, but then you stay in control of the spending and the payments of it. And it also only benefits the child if you, the parent putting them on it, has decent credit yourself as well. But it does give the opportunity to build a longer credit history when they are ready to open their own accounts. And that's one of the factors that go into determining a credit score is your length of credit. So,
0: yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is, hey, my, my daughter has a checking account and I put her allowance into it. And so I could say, hey, let's get you a starter credit card. Your limit is 200 bucks and I'll co-sign on it or put my name on it as well and, you know, monitor it um, and what have you. And it's got a really low limit. And so she couldn't go over it, but she's building up some credit.
1: Or even on your own credit, Daniel, so she doesn't have to apply and open her own line of credit you adding her on an existing credit card that you have and most credit cards can even let you set limitations or things for a certain authorized user so maybe it would alert you anytime she tried to make a payment over x amount of dollars and you'd have to approve it or you just cap it at maybe what her allowance is for that period just like okay she can't spend more than 200 bucks for the month or whatnot so from her young teenage years is having an opportunity to build those years of credit history. So when she's, you know, ready to apply for her own credit, it shows up that she has that standing history. Yeah, that's a
0: great idea. I love it.
1: Make sure you actually use it a little bit though, so that it's actually not just an open, empty account. Sometimes that makes a difference. So, you know, later my mother revealed to me that yes, I would make small purchases and then pay them off after. And
2: I literally had no idea the card existed. Okay. Let's dive into the next question. Can you start a 529 plan for your children if you don't have any yet?
1: So the IRS actually requires that the 529 plan be open for a living beneficiary who has a social security number. So that requirement eliminates the possibility of opening an account for a child that hasn't been born yet as the beneficiary. However, if you do open up a 529 plan, it's fairly easy to change who the beneficiary is later. So maybe you have a 529 plan for an older child and you're making maybe a, a bit additional contributions. And at a later date, you could transfer or change who the beneficiary is up to the plan. But generally speaking, you need to have a social security number and the person needs to be alive in order to have the plan. And for those of us who don't know, Kat, what the heck is a 529 plan? So they allow parents to save up for their kids' higher education. So traditionally, these plans were created for college expenses. Under some recent changes to tax law, you can now use them for K-12 through 12 private education as long as it's on qualified educational expenses. Every state has their own 529 plan or form of 529 plan. For us, my husband and I decided that it was within our budget that we could start saving and contributing to a 529 plan for our son. There's so many options, some that will allow you to pay from anywhere for one year of college all the way to all four years of college. Um, Some will include things like dorm expenses. So depending on the plan you choose, the cost will vary. For us, the plan we chose is less than $200 a month and we each automatically contribute to it monthly. So we split the cost from our personal accounts. Now, as much as I say, like, go ahead and do that and we've started early on if it's our budget. Now, if it's not something that's feasible for you right now, maybe with childcare expenses, it's just too much. Maybe it's something you want to think about when your child does start grade school. So around age five, when they're going to kindergarten, now that you've alleviated some of your childcare expenses, that frees up some money for you. And you might be able to use some of that old childcare budget to add to that 529 plan or a custodial plan of that nature. The reason why I like the plan is because you're saving for it now and the kid gets to take out money when they're older. Now, some states have different rules on the treatment of it, but essentially, if your kid decides not to go to college and they do another route, it can also be used for a trade school or even passed on to a different sibling so they can change who the beneficiary is and give it to a younger sibling who maybe also has plans for some type of higher education. And in recent years, if you want to use it for... Maybe you're saving now while your kid is in primary school because maybe you have plans to send them to a private school for high school. Then you can use the funds then. Last year when we celebrated my son's birthday, I asked folks actually not to give any disposable like gifts or toys and that if they wanted to or they found it in their means to just make a contribution towards my son's 529 plan instead. And that way it's going to get a better return on the investment than another block set or another toy hammer. You know, some people like the idea of giving a a longer lasting gift, if
2: you will. Wonderful. Thanks for that answer, Kat. No problem. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Friends with Tax Benefits. And if you haven't already... Be sure to follow us on the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TurboTax. Like and subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Bye, Kat. Bye, Daniel. Bye, y'all.
0: Bye, Kat. Bye, Lauren. Friends with Tax Benefits is an Intuit TurboTax podcast produced by Frequency Media. We're your hosts, Daniel Thrall,
2: Katharina Rickmans, and Lauren Thomas.
1: From Intuit TurboTax, Jane Lahani is our executive producer, and Tony Melinda is our video producer.
0: From Frequency Media, Jordan Rizzieri is our producer, Catherine Devine is our associate producer, and Matthew Ernest Filler is our editor and sound engineer.
2: Concept Development by Jessica Olivier, Jill Pescesnik, and Isabel Moncloa-Daily. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found.